But uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I suppose, so what's your background at all? Because I know that um, uh, Fresh Start for Hens is um, a, like a volunteer, completely volunteer organisation. There's no paid people within it. Um, and the spokesperson, the, the chat that I keep seeing on all the social medias and things like that, his background is a bus driver. What's, what's your background? Yes, so um, my background is I was actually in teaching, so I was a qualified teacher for a couple of years, had my kids, um, but I've also done sort of like life and management as well, um, so a real variety really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many of the, how many um, of the, um, are, <laughs> how many um, volunteers do you actually have working for you? Um, we've probably got over about 230 different volunteers that ranges from um, people that open collection points to drivers people that may just come and help at collection points um, so there's a real variety of different volunteers and of course we're all around the country as well England and Wales so yeah. we've got here there and everywhere really oh that's insane it's um I know that you guys have been operating since about 2008 is that right Yes, I believe so. Yep, before I started. Yeah. Right, I see. Cool. So, like, talk me through um, the begin the ins and outs of, say, discovering a farm, for example, that has battery hens, cage hens, uh, then all the way to releasing them um, or not releasing them, uh, finding new, like, forever homes. So, what's the process from uh, beginning to end? Beginning to end, um, so we would have one of our, we've got quite a lot of farms that are on board um, that have been working with us for quite a few years and we've also got new farms as well. Um, so the first thing, we find out how many how many hens we've got, mm. um, what else they are in the country. We then put it out to our volunteers and ask them, we've got a farm in, say for example, Hampshire, 2,000 hens available on this date. Our rehomes are usually always on a Saturday, um, just because obviously a lot of people are working and yeah. ends. Um, and then once we've got a collection a list of collection points um, which can range from our farms can range from about 40 we're doing a little one on Saturday for about 40 right the way up until April we're doing one that's about 6,000 wow. um, yeah so so fairly big um, yeah. and then we, <laughs> and then we decide <laughs> It is a lot of hens. Um, and then what we do is we'll work out exactly how many collection points we want to open. Again, that can range from a small handful right up the way to about 50 or 60. Work out exactly how those hens are going to go to each collection point, making sure we've got enough drivers, enough farm hands, and that's, that's our planning stage. Yeah. So then once our list of where we're going to send the hens to, we then We'll advertise on sort of like Facebook or any other social media and on our website. Um, and then we wait for everyone to want hens, basically. So then they will register on our website. They can range from two hens right the way up to 25 hens. They fill in their details. Mm -hmm. Then we've got a very small team of administration um, ladies and a chap. And um, we'll contact. So once you've put in your request, say you want two hens from Southampton, for example, our admin team would then get in contact with you. Um, and what we do is we ask, we give all the information up about how we operate, 
um, and also a care sheet as well because that's really important that the yeah. things go to a right, a right place. Um, and after that point, we just asked for two things from the rehomer before they're confirmed. So they've provisionally reserved. First thing is that we ask for a, a minimum donation for um, the hens, which is £2.50. Um, and that just covers our minimal cost to the farmer. So the same cost as what they would, they would, um, we would pay them the same cost as what they would if they were being sent to slaughter. So the farmer doesn't financially gain from it. Yeah. Um, and our main costs are sort of like van hire, because we can go from Southampton all the way up to Newcastle and every, anywhere in between. Um, but bills, we always take every single hen as well. Um, so once they've made their donation, um, we also ask for them for a photo of their coop and setup. Um, mm. And we challenge people, and we have, we you know, if we if the coop, if the photo of the setup is is not fox proof or the hens it's not suitable, it's too small, for example, we will offer advice. Um, and we, we we do work with people and if people haven't if it's not quite right then unfortunately we, we can't rehome we can't save a creature from going to slaughter just mm. to put them in equally um sort of torment really yeah. um then photo of their coop and it's nice and safe n enough room for them um we also like to see their free range area or their run area as well so we just allow sort of like one meter square and we're asked questions and offer advice so they've had so they've reserved sent their donation in sent their photos they are confirmed so their hens will be going on to vans so mm. about a week before our rehome um all our lists go out to our collection point house so the collection point house will get in contact with the rehomers and give them a time slot at the moment with the um, COVID restrictions, um, we offer a clock and collect service. <laughs> um, so it's all um, it's all COVID secure and everything. Yeah. So all our kids wear masks and everything like that, set up their setup so that people are more than two meters apart and that they don't have any contact with us. And they just put the boxes on and walk away. So that's all sent out in the emails and they just confirm. Hmm. That's, all, that's all done. And a lot of people think, brilliant. Yep, the heads will just arrive. But that's just the start of what goes on. So we then um, normally start on site at the farm, Saturday mornings, five o'clock in the morning, which is nice and early because well, we start. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people sort of, when we send out emails, a lot of people say, oh, can I come at nine o'clock to collect my hens? I live in Bradford. Well, the hens are down on the south coast. They're going to take quite a while to get up to you. Yeah. Um, so five o'clock in the morning um we go it we have a, a specific farm team we've already it's, it's almost a lot of people sort of say it's like a military operation for us we mm. we know everyone's got the job role we have a team of catchers who will catch the hens people that will carry them to our crates there's someone on a crate station that will put 10 hens per crate and then we've got the lifters and loaders um that know exactly how many hens are going into each van and all the paperwork and everything like that and what we have we we do get a little bit competitive of how quickly we can um catch and crate our hens <laughs> <laughs> and we do like to try and beat our our little records yeah. um i think we on it on a really good day we can catch and crate and load 1500 hens an hour an hour an hour wow <laughs> <laughs> that is how that's crazy and 
it, it is crazy when you sit there and work out exactly how many how many we can do um, yeah. and we always the whole flock as well so if the farmer tells us for example they've got three thousand some farmers are a little bit better than others with their counting um which which is fine some and you know we always go under our estimates so if they say three thousand we normally sell we're allowed 10 percent under so we might hmm. reserve thousand seven hundred if there's we've got homes for 2700 and there's an extra hundred we take those as well and we've got um several we classes hen banks around the country as well that if there are any spare hens that maybe 20 will go here another 30 will go here hmm. um, so we never leave any hens behind which is which is really really good and even if there's so obviously when they get caught at the farm as well um sometimes you get some that have got like a bit of a poorly felt they just don't quite look right we put those to one side and we call it our sort of like our poorly hens mm. Take those with us as well and they go to a couple of different collection points that sort of like um experienced in looking after hens mm. um and they get up to health and rehome them as well or, or just keep them if they if they can't be rehomed as well wow. uh, so the hens are now on the vans going all around the country, hmm. actually everywhere, all the way down to Cornwall, Newcastle, Anglesey and Wales, here, there and everywhere. Um, so then the hens are, they, the hens then get unloaded to the collection points um, and they are allowed an hour resting time. So this just, this is just sort of like a, another sort of way to allow them to rest and recover if a hen's not quite looking right then the mm. collection will, will hold her back um, just to make sure that she's okay as well um, and then the rehomers come along and collect their hens and then post all their lovely photos for our social media pages and ask lots of questions because we have a lot of new people and quite experienced people as well rehoming so we see pretty wow. much everything that's awesome that's brilliant. So that is start to finish. And we also rehome ducks as well. Really? So not just hens. We're doing ducks on Sunday this week as well. Oh, I love ducks. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the whole operation. I mean, like me and my missus have been looking to um, get X caged hens for a long time. But right now we're in a flat, so that's not really an option. But when we get our own property on the South Coast, yeah, definitely getting um, caged hens. It's just because of the environment that they're kept in for you know pretty much their entire life not really seeing sunlight and things like that obviously um a lot of us people a lot of us um animal aware kind of kind of people um animal lovers we know the kind of conditions that they're kept in but what would you say to people out there that really want to know um the details like the you know the grim reality of it what kind of conditions are these hens actually being kept in yeah so we we only have a couple of caged farms um mm. I've, been, I've been volunteering for the organization now for ooh, nearly five years now actually and i've right. only ever done a couple of caged farms because mainly the farmers that we work with are from sort of like free range and organic and obviously all hens will go to slaughter anyway right, I see, yeah free ranged organic caged barns um and of course a lot of people do say free range they're not really free ranged mm. but of course you know the farmers invite us onto their premises and i always think if the you know we do contact some farmers and you see some in the as you drive along the road oh that'd be quite a nice place to you know mm. stickly near a motorway junction or something that we could work with um and you know when they 
don't want to work with you sort of why why is that so mm. so we probably you know probably if a farmer was hiding something then they probably wouldn't want to invite people in in into us because we're not we are sort of invited onto the farmer's premises um by them to rehome their birds out of choice sort of thing um i've sort of worked under i have done a cage farm and i've also done a barn farm mm. um, and probably i would say that the barn ones are probably people will say about the cages and everything but of course you've got rows and rows of cages you, you're able to see everything all the time so if the hen's not not looking is, is unwell or you know there's always fatalities in whatever farm setting that you will get then obviously the cage ones you can just go in and and, and sort of do a bit more of a visual inspection with them mm. um the ones is a little bit more difficult because obviously you've just got a massive great big barn they're always in there all of the time and it's quite difficult to get around and see every single one obviously free ranged if they're out then they will be healthy and and fit and well sort of things so farms that i've i've seen and i've worked with aren't a pretty good welfare wise to be fair we don't see many sort of like fatalities and the farmers are genuinely nice people and they mm. want the best their birds as well because that's why they want to work with us to to get them that better life as well but the but cages are not they're not the best and obviously they are they are going um i don't know what exact year that they are they are going but we've recently um one cage we farm that we did work with um he's actually completely just got rid of that because the cage industry is coming to an end yeah. uh, because of consumer demand really people people are more, more made aware of um the plight of you know cage tens and you know it's a natural thing for them just to, to sit in a cage all day and you know you get them out um and they just they just don't really know what to do with them we've done a, a barn one recently where all they've seen is sort of like the sort of dirt and dust in the barn kind of thing and yeah they come out on a really cold day and they just didn't they don't know what grass is they, they didn't really know what to do but after you know, give it a couple of weeks and, and they start to learn and it's just lovely seeing them oh, feathers and <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, like, um, there's been somewhat of um, a controversy about cage hens, and rightly so, when they're kept under the wrong conditions. I mean, like, for the last year or so, I can say it now, because I'm not working for them anymore, but for about a year, I've been working for Greenpeace. And I've got other friends that are pro-animal, like, they work for PETA and things like that. And um, that's people against the you know ethical treatment of animals yeah. organization and things like that um a lot of people are starting to become more aware of the impact that poultry has eating poultry has on the planet i mean a lot of people eat chicken i mean like i occasionally eat chicken as well and i certainly eat eggs and dairy and things like this but i think a lot of people are just starting to become really switched on with just the the state that they're they're kept in these animals and a lot of people it seems like from your um social media pages a lot of people just want them as pets <laughs> and not just That's not right. really to produce any um any produce like eggs and things like that they just want the chicken around <laughs> or a few yeah and that's what we rehome them as we rehome them as pets yeah. if they give you an egg then that's an added uh, an added benefit um we have quite a few people that are either vegans that you know they just keep them for the pets and they feed back the eggs to the hens mm. 
Um, I'm not a huge fan of eggs myself. I will just sort of either give some to friends or some people will come and buy them and the money goes straight back into their pot for mm. their food and various other little treats, little bits and pieces for them. Um, but yeah, I, mm. don't, I don't personally eat chicken anymore ever since I started rescuing, rescuing the girls. It just, I think I lost, I had... I volunteered for five years, but I only re- got hens just slightly before that. So yeah. I was sort of new to keeping them when I first started becoming a volunteer. And when I went to the palms and started rehoming them, I just couldn't eat chicken. That's, fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. Do you have chickens I ha- I yourself? Had a, I've got chickens myself. I've got about 20 in my back garden. <laughs> I keep forgetting how many I've got. I need to, need to get them <laughs> more to my mother-in-law normally looks after and says oh you know you've got 23 oh no i didn't realize i had that (laughs) chicken maths as soon as you get one i started off with four and then you just get another couple and oh of course when you're a volunteer and you see one that's um some of them have like crossed beaks their beaks are a little bit wonky like oh look at that little wonky hen oh i'll keep that one i I actually found a hen that had no wings really yeah she literally had the shoulder joint on one side and the elbow joint on the other side. Mm. It was um, snuck into someone else's van. And when my husband, my husband volunteers for Fresh Starters, when he turned up with um, my son um, to come and pick the hens up for that day, he was like, oh, what's that? Is that oh, just a hen? He, he just knows now that sometimes a special one gets sort of snuck in. and yeah appropriate a hen every now and then yeah <laughs> just sneak a couple in he won't know i just have to tell him no yeah those, hen- those ones look a bit less feathered are they new yeah i'll put those in the other day oh okay <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic yeah i mean they're, they're so characterful really they really are they've got so much personality to them that and ducks are absolutely massive fan of duck anyone that knows me personally i absolutely love ducks are they kept um are they, is that the same similar story for ducks as well or is it less common um like um uh, like finding a farm and things like that and then finding buyers or do you pay more for ducks or is it the same story um yes yeah, so ducks chickens are are deemed not commercially viable at 18 months ducks mm are for two years so they're slightly older hmm. well, obviously ducks don't lay as well as as hens I, I don't personally have ducks myself but they're quite sought after hmm. um currently work i think we've been working with the duck farmer for the last couple of years so it's quite a new sort of venture for for fresh start um we've now got two farms on board um and yeah people seem to really like the ducks they will travel a little bit further a little bit little bit something different mm. trying to get them more up north this time because our sort of farms are sort of more down a lot of our farms are sort of down the south coast which is ideal for me but not so good for the <laughs> the guys up newcastle and things so where it's a little bit we have to think about as well how what the temperature's like as well for transporting them because um hens are naturally a lot hotter than what we are so you think oh poor little thing hasn't got any feathers people go knit little jumpers and everything it's the worst thing they could do for them because they just get so hot right we have to we have to really think about like the distances that we go with them so this time we're actually able to take the ducks up a little bit further um 
but yeah people people have ducks on their own or they have ducks with hens um they go quite quickly we we do think we probably do about four or five of those a year we also rehome um boys as well we rehome boys um ducks and uh, chickens as well to rehome anything anything like ducks are obviously a different species to chickens is there do you have like different breeds of chickens as well or are they the just the same typical red hen that you get no we do have a couple of specialists well it's called special different um hens so the farm each each um we call them ex-commercial hens that will cover your cage your barn your free range your organic your soil association as well which mm. is like the, 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 the perfect sort of farm the Rolls Royce of farming, or <laughs> no beak trimming or anything like that. Um, you can get a couple of different different types. Like we've got a farmer not far from me actually has little. Um, he's got a soil association farm. He's got white leghorns that can be right. quite flighty. Um, we've done Colombian blacktails as well. Um, so there are there are a few different ones, but mainly they are the the ginger ninjas as we call as ginger we like. Ninjas. To- get slightly different strands so each farm and each hatchery that the farm will work with will work with a slightly different strand and genetically adjusted so they some farmers will want there's a a, there's a type of hen called a loman which is very placid but they will have a tendency just to lay their eggs anywhere so of course as soon as they start laying them it's okay for sort of like if they go and lay them on the floor here that's fine you just give them a quick wash but of course in terms of like selling them for supermarkets and things like that then they cut they're not the first grade or whatever they are for for eggs and then you also get other ones um there's nova gens there's all sorts of different mm. they just tweak stuff so that because of course they need to be placid mm. yeah they can't be in there sort of like and the interesting thing with hens is um if they st- sometimes they have a tendency if they get a bit bored they start feather plucking each other mm-hmm. if they draw blood as soon as they sit they're like a ball with a red cloth if they see blood or red they will just keep going so of course the far it's not in the interest of the farmer to have quite aggressive hens that's what they try and just slightly tweak things mm. that those hens are quite placid and that they will get on and not attack each other and be and they're, they're lovely they are mm. so lovely and friendly as well and you sort of think oh you know these hens um you know they're, they're just hens but and you always know if you've got a lady farmer or a guy farmer as well, because the ladies will go out there and chat to the hens. And... <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> do you talk to your hens like they talk back to you? <laughs> I do. Um, in, um, in lockdown, actually, we had a farmer who over-ordered on his, what, what they call a pullet, a point-of-lay hen. He right. actually over-ordered and had, um, he overstocked his, his shed and needed to rehome of hundred um and my friend said oh got a couple of hundred hens you want some didn't obviously didn't take a couple of hundred took a couple um and it was just at the beginning of lockdown um and i brought them home and they were sort of in there well we kept they were living outside but they kept coming in the house to sit with the kids and (laughs) my son called called the little one freddie after his best friend and was cuddling Mm. little (laughs) hen and they do know their names but some of them you can bring them back I've got some outside. Um, I've got a, a speckledy hen. Mm. As soon as I open that nest box, and if she's laying, she'll tell you about it. You sort of open the door, and like, oh, she's in there. 
Phoenix, you have to shut the door quick just so she doesn't um, protest. <laughs> yeah, well, it takes a lot of effort, I suppose, to lay eggs. So I would, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, it must be amazing having chickens during lockdown. Oh, that must be so stress relieving or stressful, depending on how you look at it, I suppose. No, they're, they're not. They're not stressful at all. They um, a lot of a lot of people are using um, hens as as therapy animals as well. Yeah. And just before the lockdown, um, we were sort of like struggling a little bit for people to get homes for hens. And as soon as lockdown happened, I think we ended up getting like fifty thousand um, hens wanted. We were having a massive waiting list. And of course, at the be- right at the beginning, you know, like everywhere, you we needed to sort of like decide how we were going to operate and everything a lot of people were sort of a bit a bit wary of what was going on and everything mm. um and we actually had an incident where the far i think it was like the lockdown was on the monday we were supposed to be going in on the saturday everything was planned and we had to we were going, just going to pull the plug completely on on the hens because we didn't know what what we could do and it was mm. a situation that you know weeks in advance you know it's not just like going down agricultural shop and just buying a, a sack of pellets for your hens mm. she had she had no food so those hens would have just starved to death if we hadn't have gone to do it so it, it then turned into a into a welfare situation for us um and we've just been rehoming all the way all the way through lockdown with you know ppe mm. risk assessments and things like that and some, of our, and some of our volunteers have been driving miles down because of course where we're sort of like a, a national organisation and we do sort of put up um, our volunteers in sort of like travel lodges or premier inns, just cheap mm. hotels so they don't have, you know, if you've got to start at five o'clock in the morning, you really don't want to be driving down from like Newcastle down to, I don't know, Somerset, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because then that gets dangerous for them. So, you know, with the hotels closing and stuff, we did have our hardcore team of volunteers that went in, you know, some of them were going in every couple of days, just taking a couple of hundred here, a couple of hundred there, and and just, and just keep going. But a lot of people are having them for therapy animals. Um, they get, you know, I certainly noticed it when um, I had my second daughter because I was a bit prone to sort of like white coat syndrome, as it were, and I used to just go and sit out in the garden with the hens before I had to go and see my midwife just to sort of like bring the blood pressure down kind of thing. You know, it really helped my son in the like the lockdown. Um, and a right. lot of people, call, you know, I'm now on furlough or ideal opportunity to go and build that keep and sit out in the garden and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was I was literally about to ask how um, the first lockdown and all the other lockdowns affected the organisation, but it seems like you guys are really just bowling through it as safe as possible minds like all ppe like you like you mentioned but um yeah no hats off to you and really commendable the amount of driving that some of your hardcore volunteers do i mean like when when do you fit in like the hours like obviously you guys are all volunteers so you've got to have full-time jobs and is it just like uh, weekend work like if i wanted to volunteer because i work full-time and i've got like the weekends off is it like um you all just um talk online or you just coordinate yourselves like via like zoom calls like this and then just organize a plan and then you send drivers out and things like that um how does it work around people's daily lives yeah so we've got 
we always sort of like encourage people to volunteer as much or as little as you want if you can't commit to like i've got a, a couple actually they've used all their annual leave they're mm. actually my star couple who drive from southampton to newcastle and then back down again um she's got she's originally from newcastle so she goes up there sees her sister and then comes back down um yeah. they their annual leave the second lockdown with sort of like vulnerability and shielding so we've got a few people that are actually off at the moment um because because of um, vulnerability and things like that um but we just once you've once you're sort of like signed up as a volunteer we have our own like facebook group just for our volunteer team and we put the dates up there um and we just ask for people if they if they're going to commit to a date just pencil it in because sometimes people forget and you know if people are busy you're busy um so yeah they just sign up what they want to do if they want to just come to the farm like at the moment i can only go to the farm because i haven't got a babysitter for my children mm-hmm. and so it's just going to be me driving up to the farm helping out at the farm um but so, you know i've got a guy who lives in bradford he's a um, retired firefighter and he comes down um and that's like his little hobby just to just to fill a bit I mean, he quite likes that at the moment because of course with lockdown he bradford's been on quite a harsh lockdown for the lot quite a few months now and he's quite mm. like just down and have a little well you, we're quite social as well before lockdown we <laughs> do you know if you're at the pub the night before have a meal see people you know because it's all like virtual everyone's from all around the country and stuff it's quite nice just to see people and have a chat but of course that's another another thing that's stopped but Oh yeah, it'll well, there. it'll come it'll back come though. Back. Yeah, it'll it'll come back one day when this plague pisses off a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I'd I'd really like to uh, get involved. We'll have to talk about this after the, the recording mm-hmm. stop because volunteering about all these kind of things is yeah definitely up my alley. And if there's anything in the Sussex area, because I live on the south coast myself just let me know how I can help and yeah we'll just we'll talk about it after but how did you fall into this at all did you just spot them on their facebook or yeah um because of course i got i got my hands in the oh i was on a long old waiting list with another organization had my coop just about missed out I had to wait six weeks it was agonizing i was so excited to get my coop because my husband's actually a carpenter by trade built oh, my coop cool. Um, and then there was no hens and I wanted, I wanted originally X cage hens, but got free range. It was a little bit disappointing to start with, but until you understand that every hen needs saving, then yeah. you're life. Um, so I've got my hens just looking on Facebook, really different support groups, ideas and things and come across fresh start for hens and thought, Oh, it's just a, just a chat group. Looked on the website and obviously saw that there was I wanted to do something because I'm sort of at home all the time with with my two children um used to work 60 78 hour weeks and just wanted something to sort of like keep me ticking over with with my mind doing something Mm. and just got in contact with them um because there wasn't I think the nearest collection point to me in Hampshire was Basingstoke which is a good 40 40 minutes away and there wasn't really anything else and I said oh I can I can help and things like that um and then it just snowballed since then so signed up in the march went to my first farm in may opened my collection point and then in the june i said oh i can do do work from home explain the sort of situation that i'm sort of like free and can do stuff um got my husband involved so now it's <laughs> like a bit of a 
the couple's respite away from the, the children kind of thing as well. Yeah. Um, and they'll, I'm sort of like, well, on the on the management team, I'm actually one of the directors for for Fresh Start as well. So wow. only in the last couple of years as well. So I do a lot of things. Committed. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I don't get paid or anything for it. It's just, it's just like a little hobby for me, and it's just I see it as like providing me with different skills and things. I don't know what I want to do. Probably, maybe not go back into teaching once the children are grown up and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just providing all sorts of different skills. I know how to um, adjust things on a website so I can utilize that with my husband's business, and you know, learning so much about social media loads of different things growing in confidence and it's brilliant that is really good well for a little hobby as you put it it's it really is a a really massive service um well for for these hens really i mean like god knows what kind of fate awaits them if they're not going to go to forever homes really like should have thought but um yeah i I mean I'd, i'd love to get involved the um like it's not really a rescue organization, but it's essentially um, I do a little bit of volunteering here and there and more seasonally um, for something called the Brighton Dolphin Project, which is essentially just raising awareness about the marine life, mainly cetaceans and dolphins and things like that on the South Coast. Like I said before, I did work for 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 Greenpeace, but no longer. So I think there's a bit of a, a bit of a gap there to be able to be able to fill so yeah i'd love to get involved with that and then when we move eventually i'll get a get a, a hutch set up and i'd love to be able to adopt some ends that would be fantastic yeah but um, yeah, you don't need as much space a lot of people think oh you need masses of area i live in a mid-terrace old victorian townhouse kind of yeah. thing but garden is 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 hens yeah. um like an enclosed run because there are foxes about and things like that I need to protect the girls um but yeah you only need one meat square per hen you just need to allow for the chicken maths so when you get three and then it turns into a bit more <laughs> yeah it was a, actually yeah I was, I was going to ask about that like the kind of advice that you offer on your website and and social media pages foxes um i'd imagine you'd have to have like con like a concrete slabbed area to prevent them or somehow have like a bottom to the hutch like a like a movable hutch that have the handles and things like that so what do you how do you prevent things like foxes and what kind of like area do they need do they need like a certain area square foot of grass and um what kind of like things do they need yeah you don't even need grass because my girls are actually on a slabbed area and obviously well, at the moment, we've got the avian influenza, so all birds have to be, in. well, they say housed indoors. But if you've got sort of like a run or a netted area, a lot of people get in these sort of like metal tented areas that are putting their, their girls in. Um, so it depends on your sort of setup. Obviously, if, if they're in a, an enclosed run um, and you're sort of like you're going to be at work a lot of the time, that's normally like the safest, safest thing for them. Um, you can put slabs around the outside. We also recommend having a roof on the top. That also helps with um, in the winter as well, because a lot of people at the moment, for a lot of rain and things like that, their runs are completely bogged and mm. hard work in the winter. Um, yeah, it's definitely not a faddy sort of um, hobby. 
and mucking them out in the cold and the wet but just put your worries on over your pajamas that's absolutely fine um, <laughs> so just a roof helps obviously mr foxy from from getting in there slabs around the outside um and also we recommend um galvanized mesh as well a lot of people think oh let's get some um chicken wire hmm. chicken keep the chickens in but it won't keep mr fox out mr fox or mr badger will just cut um, we'll just choose straight through those so galvanized mesh um is definitely a must um and also what you can do is you can actually dig that down six inches down into the ground and then flick it out uh, outwards from your run area um, almost like a sort of like an anti-dig skirt as well mm. and that'll because of course mr fox will just dig down instead of down and then under mm. i mean but also we have a lot of people that rehome hens that actually live in the countryside and they've got beautiful acres of farmland. Um, some people will have, some people swear by having alpacas and things in the far, in, out in the fields. Yeah. Don't know how, oh, I live in the town so I don't know too much. Um, or the, some people will put um, sort of electric fences, battery electric fences around their areas. Um, so there's different, there's different ways that you can prevent and some people just have like their dogs running around and the dogs they're not really that interested in in chickens to be honest they like sniff them and then the chicken had soon put the dog in their place um different different ways but mainly it's um you know a lot of people think oh the fox will only come out at night time but of course you've got to remember if the fox is um in in cubbing season then they will be out all the time in the daytime we do have a lot of people on our facebook page that say oh i've just seen a fox in the daytime so yep they could be out all the time just because it's daytime don't let your guard down so yeah i mean i was i was was talking to um on the podcast as well uh billy heaney he's a like a um ecologist and he's a wildlife presenter and we were talking about foxes then and around here especially in sussex they're out i see them more in the daytime these days i suppose because they're opportunistic predators they're just going to take every single chance especially like you say when they're in season and feeding cubs and a litter and things like that yeah they're going to take every opportunity to get the get chickens or anything else that they find i mean i've seen um it was only a couple of weeks ago i saw a fox leap into the air to try and catch a seagull in the middle of the day so yeah they're gonna definitely take every opportunity they can but yeah um where can people find all the information they need to have you got a website and facebook page yep um so we've got a website www.freshstartforhens.co.uk um, you can go on there and register your interest. We've sort of got a registration form, as it were, that people can click on if they're interested in hens or for ducks. Um, and then once we've got some dates available, then we get in contact with you and book you in. Um, we've got a few coming up at the moment. We're just planning those at the moment. That's mm-hmm. my but isolation with children. Um, that's put that one back a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, and also we've got a Facebook page, um, Fresh Start for Hens. We've got a like page, it's almost like a sort of like a business like page that we put on there, all of our key dates, information, things like that on there. But we've also got a chat page that you can join. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and it is like a little forum on there. And we're quite friendly. Um, a few things we don't allow sort of like the, um, what's the word? Hmm. We don't 
like um, uh, posts about killing is our main one. So we we offer advice about how to deter rats, take your food away. You know, we don't encourage people to to kill anything. If we mm. say, you know, hypocritical, really. If we're saving something and then killing something else, then that's that's our main main rule. And just to be kind, and it's and it's quite a nice friendly um, chat group on there, and a lot of people put on there when they've rehomed their hens and then they put on their oh thank you so much to this person who saved this hen and it's just like oh that's what's really nice and you see on there and then they they offer advice and then they sit and they say oh i'm really into this i'd like to do this i'd like to be a volunteer yeah well so but um the, our, our plan for this year is actually to get a bit more involved with sort of like social media we've got a twitter page and an instagram um and we're just putting up a little marketing plan because of course we don't have budgets for advertising we are very much um some of our posts actually go completely viral uh, we had a case in august that i think my friend put a uh, it was found by the bbc and it just went absolutely viral and we went we were going on all sorts of media channels and things like that um so a lot of people just share our posts and see things and yeah oh fantastic um, but yeah, thank you so much, Lisa, uh, for coming on the podcast and talking about Fresh Start for Hens. It's a fantastic organisation. Please do have a look at the website. Um, but yeah, we'll wrap it up here. But yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. Appreciate Lovely. It. Thank you very much.